everyone. Welcome to Pit Stops to Podium, the Red Partners podcast, where we talk to execs who have competed in one, in companies from high growth to high scale. My name is Brendan Tolleson. I am the co-founder and CEO of Red Partners, and I'm delighted to have with me today, Horst Schultze, for this edition of Pit Stops to Podium. Welcome, Mr. Schultze. How are you? I'm very fine. I'm glad to be with you. Likewise. Well, this is a treat. Um, I have been a long admirer uh, of Mr. Schultz. I read quite a few of his book or read his book and listened to a few of his uh, speaking engagements. For those that may not be familiar, uh, Horst Schultz is a founding member of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company, and he really established a new standard of excellence in the hospitality industry. Uh, under his leadership, the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company became the first service-based company to be awarded the prestigious Malcolm Baldrige National Quality Award not once, but twice. Uh, later in his career, Mr. Schultz founded the Capella Hotel Group, and now he energizes companies to reconnect with their service commitment. Uh, and you're also now an author, uh, recently comp- completing his first book entitled Excellence Wins. Um, this is a very fun episode for me, uh, as I said, uh, Mr. Schultz, and so this is uh, just a, a real delight. So thank you for taking the time to join us today. Great to be with you. You know, it's funny. I have to. I have to say that not not to sell something, but uh, you know, you mentioned Ritz Carlton was respected, voted for many years, sixteen years in a row. In fact, when I worked there, as the number one hotel company in the world. But not only that, it was voted number one brand in the world. But guess who is now? And then I left, and I started another hotel company, Capella. And guess who is now voted number one in the world? Well, Capella is. I'm, I'm going to guess Capella. Yes, it is. Now, I sold it two years ago, but it's, it's rated number one in the world now. And uh, so the, the philosophy and the processes do work. Yes. Yeah, even though not once, but twice. And so to your point, there, there's likely some knowledge that you can impart to our audience as it relates to how to build I'll, a great- I'll try. I'll try and do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. Schultz, before we get into talking about some of those insights, we do have a tradition here, and that's to get to know our guests outside of work. Uh, what are three fun facts that our audience should know about you? Fun? I don't know. Fun? fun? Well, maybe, maybe I have four daughters. Okay. Daughters, uh, they all live in Atlanta. That's why I live in Atlanta. I actually come from Germany and from a small village. I still have a home there. My wife is from Pittsburgh. But uh, the fact that I still have a home there after being married 44 years means my wife likes it also. Otherwise, wouldn't have a home there anymore. Uh, we, spent few, yeah, we spent quite a bit of time there, but not the last three years because of Corona. However, we're going to go there next month again after three years, which we love. It's a small wine village. Oh, nice. All of my f- friends, and here's the real fun fact. <laughs> when I get back there, within minutes, people in the village know that I'm there. That's a small village for you. <laughs> and uh, it won't be taking 10 minutes that I'm there. I'm still unpacking when I get my first telephone call people inviting me to wine tastings because they all grow wine. Let me tell you, that is fun. <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's a fun time. Yeah. Um, this is white wine, correct? Yeah, yeah, Riesling. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, uh, growing up, I took German. Uh, don't ask me to do this podcast in German. I, uh, I took it for about seven years and lived in Vienna, Austria during university, but uh, I, I can barely even speak it. Embarrass- it's an embarrassing... Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, but, no, it's not. It's not easy. Look here. I. I'm when when I got back even myself. I look here. I live in the U.S. fifty over fifty years. When I got back, it takes me two three days to really be in it again. Uh, if they ask me to make a speech in German, I I'm, I, I would fail in English in a minute. No problem. So now, do your, are your daughters fluent? Think that way. Yeah. Did you raise your daughters to be fluent in German? And no, two of them are fluent, and the other two speak a few words. They would pretend that they can. They will tell others that they can, but they're really not very well. Well, I think I'm probably in that camp as the other two daughters that can pretend. But I tell you, I tell you some fun fact and beautiful fact. My wife, after we got married, my parents were still alive. On my first birthday, after we got married, she said, "I have a birthday gift for you. You won't see it, but I'm going to learn German. That's my gift to you, so I can communicate with with your parents." I thought, oh, well, come on, that Americans never learn languages. <laughs> but she did. Oh, wow. <laughs> but she did. She's from Pittsburgh. I mentioned, but she did. She, she speaks pretty well German. Oh, that's, that's impressive. Did you yeah. inherit the Pittsburgh Steelers or, or were you? I was sure. I lived in Pittsburgh for a while. You cannot help but if you live in Pittsburgh, you get sucked into <laughs> the excitement about the Steelers. You, yeah. you can't help that, you know. Well, they have a rich tradition, that's for sure. And it lived with me ever since. <laughs> that's great. Well, let's let's transition into the big idea. We, we had mentioned, um, Mr. Schulte, both your background in terms of the brands that you've created and the awards that you've received, but also the book kind of speaks to some of that framework. So I'd love to use this as an opportunity to unpack some of those themes. Uh, and I really love this line that you have that um, excellence is not an accident. It's a result of intent and hard work. So let's let's talk about why it's not no Justin. It's it's all the result of high intent. High intent. It, that's that's that is the difference maker in your life. If you if you have a plan, if you if you go, if you if you intend to do something, what is the high intent? What's your high intent in your relationships with others? Mm -hmm. What's the high intent? for the future of your company, of yourself, of your marriage. Let, let, let's, let's take that as an example, because it's an easy example. Yeah. What's the high intent? Is it the high intent to have peace together? Or how about being in love the rest of your life? Not just love. Of course you love your wife. She lives there, she knows you. She's your partner. But how about being in higher intent, being in love the rest of your life. You see, once the high intent is established, you find the answer to what that intent, rather than just making average decisions, which everybody makes nonstop. Why not take a decision and bring it to a high intent? But in, in, in decisions is everything. It's a decision, I, again, uh, then you know what to do. Let's let's stay with this silly example, if you will. Maybe the marriage is certainly not nothing simple, nothing silly. It's it's uh, the most important union unit that you have in your life because it's the closest. It impacts you the most. Let's stay for a moment. It's a high intent. You want to be in love all your life. Now you have to make decisions and about the actions that you have to take to get to that point. And, and let me do some, do you, all the men in this that are listening, a big favor now. I do you a big favor. 
here is <laughs> okay here here's a step that you have to take for this lifelong being in love you have to do something about it you can't wait for it yeah you start this way go to your wife in a, in a quiet moment and say sweetheart darling whatever you call that how can i be a better husband to you and after she cried she <laughs> <laughs> and then you apply it but what you see high intent is not enough you have to take down the actions that get you to that point I, I i do love that you called out the distinction between intent and high intent and to your point it's followed by action um and if there is a response required yeah yeah you know it's it just doing things you invariably when end up in the morass of mediocrity unless you, you're doing things for which you have a high intent then you will pass mediocrity yeah well let's let's unpack a little bit further mr schultz before we get into some of those practical applications um when you think about high intent from a like apply that into the business context uh, you talk a lot about this idea of like we are human beings, um, and so this idea of purpose and belonging. Uh, yeah. I'll start there because I think that's a good segue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, high intent. Look, uh, the, the simple example is like Ritz Carlton. I joined Ritz Carlton not for a job, but I had a high intent to create the finest hotel company in the world. Once you know that, and of course, then in that moment, you have the obligation. Because in that moment, as a leader of a company, you have the obligation to question yourself, is this good for all concerned? And in fact, you should always do that. Is your intent good for those that it affects? Now, in this case, of course, it would be, in, in the case of Ritz-Carlton, of course, it would be in the, in the investors, the employees, the guests, and society as a whole. I have to question myself, is my intent here Good for all of them. Not an easy answer. Oh, yeah. But oh, wait a minute. Why? And answer to yourself, yes, this is good for all concerned. In this moment, as the leader, as the owner of the intent, if you will, you now will have no more choice. You cannot compromise it anymore because you would go against all concerned. And once it's clearly established what you want to accomplish, that vision, you now have to develop purpose for all for everybody, rather than just function, work. Mm -hmm. Work now is done for for a higher purpose, for a higher intent by all of them. And you you have a real obligation now to not compromise and keep it alive. If, if you're the leader of an organization, but no no, that goes back right to yourself, your individual dreams, your individual vision, your high intent. You have no, it, it, it shouldn't, it can't be a pipe dream. You have to commit yourself to it. You have to initiate the step that gets you to the, to the vision, to the high intent. And of course, you have to keep focus on it. That's where people break down. They, they find excuses why things cannot be done. Well, that, that, and you end up in the morass of mediocrity. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's unpack that a little bit from a Ritz Carlton uh, example. So you mentioned there are four stakeholders. Um, what what was that high intent for you in terms of that North Star that you were going towards? Well, in, in that case, of course, it was the high intent was to become the finest hotel company in the world. Mm -hmm. 
So I have to question myself, is that good for the investors? So, yeah, if we're the best, we get higher sales and so on. Is it good for every employee? Well, yeah, that, because if you're the best and get known to be the best in the world, we will grow. That means opportunity for all of them. It, it, it means the name of the company will become well-known. That means everybody gets defined by it as positive. An employee, for example, or for, former employee for its Carlton, if, if they look for a job today and the 100 others, they will get a job because they have a good reputation. That is the result of the high intent and, the, uh, and accomplishing the high intent. So is it good for the, the guest? Of course, if I'm the best in the world and, and service delivery is good for the guest. Is it good for society? Well, yeah, because society can learn from that. And I'm serving society, so they will benefit from it. So I, and I have to question, once I know that, and I didn't answer those questions that easily, I really thought about it, I now know, once we understand that, I now can find what I have to initiate to get to that point. I also know I have no more right to compromise it. Yeah. I own it. And well, it, kind of paints you, it kind of paints you in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> you can't yeah. hide. Yes. Um, but I love that. Let's, let's talk about it. To your point, that's where the action happens. That's where that hard oh. work yeah. Uh, manifests itself. And I want to, I want to talk about three areas within kind of your experience at Ritz Carlton. Uh, okay. And one of the, one of those is around orientation. So you talked about the four stakeholders, one of those being chief. Yeah. Um, I love your description of how you thought about new hires and how you brought them into that high intent purpose statement. Yeah. Well, uh, from then, once you have a high intent, you actually can invite people not to work for you, but join you in your intent. Mm -hmm. It is a, there's a big difference. I'm not, in that moment, I'm not selecting people anymore to just fulfill a function. That is it, the chair in which you're sitting is fulfilling a function. I'm hiring a human being to join me in a high intent. And I said, here it is. Why don't you, would you want to join me to become the best in the world? That, of course, sets expectations in you, but it gives you opportunity. At the, more, the same moment, I must connect them to the motive of becoming the best in the world and show them how the motive is a good one for them. That means if you're the best in the world, we will grow and you have opportunity. We will be honored, you will be respected, etc. We will have more guests, you have more income. So I, I connect them so that the high intent has value to them and they want to accomplish it. Next, of course, is orienting that the customer, the, I'm sorry, orient the employee to the to the company. That that's done, that is all every company does that wrong. I, I'm I'm sorry, every company, don't anybody get insulted there. I have looked at so many companies, I haven't seen anybody doing it right. The first day of work is the orientation. First, you select them to join. Then you orient them to who you are and to the expectation that the market has in your product. That has to be understood. And I orient them, who is, what is the soul and the thinking, the heart and the dreams of the company? Join, don't work for us, join. Give them the pieces to be part of something. You know, what happens in most companies, come on. I mean, let's be honest. The new guy comes to work and the manager makes the pathetic 
<laughs> team speech. We're a team here. Okay? Come on. <laughs> a team. A team is a group of people who have a common objective. But that's not given. The vision to be the best in the world, our common objective. Now we're team and help each other too with that. That's not done. The first day they come in, we make the team speech and then we give them the rules and regulation of the company. And then we let them fill out all kinds of papers, insurance and this and that and, that and, here yeah. and all this stuff. And that's their orientation. Instead of showing them the first day, when, when they have, you see, the first day is essential. The first day is a significant emotional event for a new employee. And when there is a significant emotional event in human beings, the human being will adopt new behaviors. So you tell them the first day we are in time always. We respect our guests. We show, discuss the behaviors necessary in your job, not, not hear the rules and regulations. It's silly. You can teach them later. So we made sure we have a very careful orientation where we invited again, re-invited the employees to join the first day. We told them who we are. By the way, any new hotel or takeover hotel, no matter where, where Berlin, Osaka, Shanghai, I did the orientation. And so so here's for our listeners, for our list, we need pause there. So for our listeners listening, um, you would physically go to a new location to do the training. That's correct. And I stayed that's, how, that's how important it was. That's how important it is. I wanted to clearly align the new employees from dishwasher to general manager to us as a company, who we are, welcome them, tell them you are part of something, you're part of purpose and belonging. And, and here's what we want to do, and here is why it's good for you. And I remember you, you even said that you would have new employees where you say, I work, we'll hire you, but you're not starving until you have that training, right? Like there could even be a gap, like two week gap. Oh, yeah. Oh, a new, um, yeah. Well, well, you understand, we, I did it for new hotels, I didn't do it for the existing hotels. Right. Once the hotels operate, the channel manager does this, but we actually, that first day of work is a key day for us. We, if we hired you because we wanted you because you're a good candidate, we hired you. But our day of orientation is two weeks from now. You cannot show up till the day of orientation. We put you on the payroll, but you cannot show up yeah. till the day of orientation because that first day is when we connect you or make you part because you're this significant emotional event, we don't want to waste that. This is a this is a light bulb moment for us at Rev Partners. I mean, when I heard you give this uh, presentation once, uh, we we changed everything about how we did onboarding, um, and it it was painful. <laughs> to your point about like being sure. painful, like it it's a lot of time, um, yeah. but it is it has been uh, I mean immensely valuable to our oh, yeah. new employees. I mean they. The last four people since we've implemented, so this is the best onboarding experience we've ever ever had because it's really connected to the mission and the values and the DNA of the organization and the intent. To your point earlier, yeah, they become part. They become part of a culture and a thinking and a dream. 
It's a problem. Here's our vision. Here's our dream. You know, we must understand that. People must understand. Even, even Aristotle said, people need belonging and purpose. But we don't offer them that at work. We mm -hmm. offer them a function. Yeah. And again, your microphone is fulfilling a function, but we are hiring human beings. And this is incredibly relevant, you know, in this current market that we're in. I mean, it's been pretty volatile, but there's that whole great resignation because to your point, it's become very transactional and it's become very much you fulfill a function, as you stated, as opposed to being part of a purpose and belonging to a greater um, cause. Yeah, I, I before we started the podcast here, I was on the on a Zoom with uh, some people I'm connected with, and we talked about the turnover of employees, which has gone up, and not finding employees. First of all, there are plenty of people out there. The problem is they don't want to work for you. That's okay. So okay, so let's not make those excuses. We are not in. We're not leading and managing to make excuses. We are here to find answers. Okay, find them. And, and, and why do they leave? Well, they, they leave one of three reasons that they leave. Don't say money, because I studied that. There are enough studies that they say it's not true. Okay, they are, well, yeah, a small percentage leave for money, but very small, except- it was even like number seven, right? Of like why people consider leaving? I mean, or That's why right. they want to be at the organization? It, it, it's minimal, and it, it's yeah. a fact, except the fact. <laughs> so why do they leave? Either you sell, they, and then they, they leave, Joe, Joe or Bill is left. He was not good. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He was not good. Why did you hire him then? Right. So it, it, he can't help that he was raised wrong by his mother, but you hired him. <laughs> Number two, you oriented them, him. You trained him. You created a work, work environment. If, and if it isn't, didn't work out, that employee bill didn't work out. It means either you selected them wrong or you oriented them wrong or you trained them wrong or you created the wrong work environment. It's you, not them. What, what, what can you do about bill? You can't do anything about it, but you can do something about your processes. I like that. It, uh, and I think, well, yeah, ultimately accountability is to you. I think it's a good segue into the next topic, which gets into continuous improvement um, and how process plays into that, I, that concept. So help us understand how that applied into the Ritz-Carlton um, story. Well, well we, we were very careful about, about that. Uh, we, 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 if a defect, a mistake repeated itself, we, we created teams, what we call tiger teams, doesn't mean anything, but tiger teams, with people connected to the process. And let's say we have front, the front of a check-in, we have slow service there or complaints. So we took people from the front desk and put them together and, and told them, find the root cause as to why this is happening. And we worked on it. And, and we looked at it and because it's not, the mistake or there is slippage in the banquet corridor. Why? It has nothing to do with people. It has always to do with why it, it is wet because it is wet. Why is it wet? We go five steps until we find the answer, eliminate the root cause and it just became a better, you, you eliminate 
and it just became better. You see, it, it, that is such an important issue. As soon as a defect repeats, there is a root cause somewhere. It's not people. It's a process somewhere. If it is the wrong person, it's still a process. The hiring process, maybe. That's what I said before. Yeah. But look, where is it? What is the process? And there's so many, you know, that, that has to be understood. There's so many little mistakes happen. If we would eliminate those mistakes, we would save dramatic monies in every business. But instead of uh, people say stuff happens, they use a different word, but stuff happens. Right. Uh, it shouldn't happen. But, you know, what if they would say about the computers that help landing a plane? If they don't work, stuff happens. So we have another accident, another crash. I mean, silly stuff happens. You figure out by identifying root causes, eliminate one mistake after the other. That's it. And you also had a kind of rewarding those behaviors, right? So for the individuals that were able to identify that root cause, sure. that they're rewarded for it. Yeah. 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 Well, well, we had to because we realized the employees, for good reason, don't report the mistakes that happen. Because we all learn as a behaviorist, we all learn from very small. We do something wrong. We were told, don't do that. So we, we stay away and we hide our mistakes. So now we turn this around and we reward it. If you said, here's what I did wrong, here's what went wrong, mm -hmm. so that we could dig into the mistake and actually found the root cause and eliminate it. The root cause is usually five steps away, by the way. It doesn't, it doesn't, it isn't where you are. But what we do, we see mistakes and say, why did we do that? You shouldn't have done that. Blah, blah. Even though they have nothing to do with it. I tell in my book, and it's a little bit long story, so I want about a root cause study that we had because of slow room service. You should read it. I mean, maybe I touch it very fast. But slow room. I, I, I think it's good. You should tell. I, I like this story. Well, you know, it's it's so crazy. Slow room service in the in, in the hotel, our first hotel, the first Ritz Carlton, which I ran at the time, already was in slow room Atlanta, service. Atlanta, correct? Yeah. So what did I do? I called the room service manager and said, read my lips. I don't want this to happen anymore. Another complaint. This guy called me about room, slow room service. You must be kidding me. I, you're the manager. Figure it out. Figure it out. Mistake. And nothing happened, you know. And he went down and gave hell to the, to the waiters. And in order to overcome it, hired another waiter. What does that mean if you hired another waiter? So that room service goes faster. That means complexity in the in the uniform room, in the laundry room. The other waiters made less money now because there's one more waiter splitting the offers. Nothing but problems. Nothing but serious problems. And finally, after a few years, it was the number one complaint in that hotel slow room service. Hmm. Because we we they called they called the order in the room service. Order taker said, takes about 35 minutes. All right, that's fine. 45 minutes later, they weren't there yet. They had to go to a meeting and they were angry, the guest. So after a few years, we created, by that time we had learned, we created, we were in continuous improvement. We created a tiger team. 
That means a room service order taker, room service waiter, a busboy, a cook. It must be there. After all, that's where it is. Yeah. They created a team and they worked everything out. Everything worked fine until they came to the elevator. And the elevator didn't come. <laughs> 10 minutes for the elevator, which should be then three minutes. Latest. So there was, and then in this moment, we had to move engineering, had to become part of the team. Hmm. People connected to the process must be part of the team. Yeah. So the engineer figured out everything's working fine. So they called Otis, the elevator company. Everything's working fine. So one waiter sat in the elevator and was riding up and down in the morning. That's morning breakfast orders. When everybody comes to work at the same time, the elevator is very busy anyway already. And he sat in the elevator to figure out why did it take so long to go up and down. And he went up and on, on the fifth floor, the housemen, housemen are the people who supply the maids with linen, shampoo, soap, and so on. Supply, he supplies. The housemen went up to the next floor, blocked off the door, the elevator door, went out, came back with some linen, went to the another floor and did the same thing. Now, the, he writes up, and another, another houseman does the same thing on the way down. <laughs> What's happening here? Now, who is involved now? Housekeeping. Joins, and housekeeping said, well, I know why they're doing that, because we are short of linen. Hmm. A normal hotel, big hotel like that, would have two sets of linen. One is on the bed, one is in traffic, one is being washed and aren't. But we have only two sets. Why is that? Now the laundry manager is involved. <laughs> laundry manager, see how far away the problem yeah. lies? Laundry manager, uh, his name happened to be Randy. I remember him well, that's many years ago. Randy became part of the team now. And they say, Randy, what happening here? Why don't we have three sets of laundry, of linen. And he said, that's very simple. Before we opened the hotel, in the meantime, eight years ago, that's how long it was number one complaint. Wow. Before we opened the hotel, we, we were running out of money. Our budget was cut. And Mr. Schulze, which happens to be me, cut one set of linen, in order to save money. We never replaced it because that was done. We had to live with that. Everybody seems to have to live with that. And we added one set of linen and immediately room service complaints went, went down by around 80%. Wow. So it will end the money that we save because of shortages, because of turnover in the room, sir, because of guest complaint, it can pay many times for the linen. It's crazy, but that's how, that's what, that's what happens. That's what, so how far, and, and I happen to be the root cause. <laughs> well, I appreciate the humility and it, it speaks yeah. to the, uh, the idea of hard work. Because uh, your point that uh, became very convoluted very fast, and stakeholders you never would have anticipated were a, a part of the problem. Uh, and and in most cases, everyone you mentioned, they thought they were just doing their job. 
uh, without yeah. any idea of how that impacted the customer experience. Yeah, uh, and I think it's a good segue into the last topic that I'd love to get your perspective on, and that that is the customer experience. Uh, and you even talked a little bit about how you know some of that root cause was you know you're taking budget cuts on having a third linen, third linen, third linen versus two linens. Uh, but let's talk about how that kind of you mentioned four stakeholders at the beginning how the customer experience impacts that high intent aspect of purpose. Well, well, it, it's all about customer experience. And, and you know, it's also misunderstood very much, very much misunderstood. Everybody talks about customer loyalty today. What is customer loyalty? Customer loyalty is nothing else but they trust you. That's what, you know. And we know from surveys, by the way, this is very important to understand. We know from relatively recent survey, the market says, I am willing to pay more, 70% of the market, 70% says, wow. I'm willing to pay more for the same product. I'm willing to buy it from you and pay more, even though I know I can get it next to the same product for less, if you take good care of me. But what does it really mean? If I take good, get good care of you, you trust me. So you trust me. So you're willing to pay more. And, and now here's even more something more interesting. 80% of the millennials say so. Wow. Trust, let, take, take good care of me. And I deal with you, even if you charge more. And that, of course, is relationship. You know, it's not the product that creates customer loyalty. It's your relationship, how you treat them, how you pay attention to them, how you respect them that creates loyalty. It's relationship. You know, human excellence, human a thing, a thing, excellence in a thing, whatever the thing is, <laughs> is if it works well for what it was created. Doesn't matter what it is. A human being, you are an human, excellent human being. If you do your very best, you cannot be perfect. You do your very best in your functioning. Hmm. And you do your very best in your relationships. And you do your very best morally and ethically. And together, it makes a good human being. But it is the relationship that creates the opinion about you, not the function. Well, I, I love everything you just said. I mean, we have a... Uh... And one of our values is do your best, not your all, which kind of talks to what you're saying. And the idea is you're a human being, not a human doer. Um, and what I, I, I love the example, in the Ritz Carlton, to your point about it's rooted in relationships. Um, that re the relationship that you created between the employee and the customer in terms of empowering the employee to solve those you know, issues that do arise to make sure that they have a positive experience. Can you walk our audience through, through that? Well, it, 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 is, it is essential that you, under, that you have to understand there are three types of customer. There is a the dissatisfied customer. And believe me, the dissatisfied customer is going to be a terrorist against your company, period. And then there's a the satisfied customer. They go next door if there's something cheaper. And then there's a the loyal customer we talked about. They want to trust you. But you have to be aware that if you cannot, you have to avoid your dissatisfied customer. You have to avoid them. And that means I empowered my employees to move heaven and earth to keep a customer even if they were dissatisfied. In fact, we empowered them to make a decision if somebody's unhappy, that they have that the employee is allowed to make a decision up to $2,000 to keep that customer. Any, any employee, 
Now, wow. when I did that, that was nearly a nuclear explosion went off. I mean, uh, 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 hotel owners, you know, we don't own hotels, we manage hotels. Want to sue me for mismanagement and let the passport give $2,000? Nobody gave $2,000. I want, when you have a problem, I want them to look, for you to look in the eyes and say, sorry, I feel so bad, I buy your breakfast or something. And that moment, you, instead of you going out and going in the, in the internet and complain about us, you become loyal. So I want to turn this around. I don't want anybody to become a terrorist against us. And that's why we did that. that for that, you have to, people have to have employees that feel like they're belonging, they're part of a vision, and they're empowered. Yeah, and, and it goes back to what you said too. There's a, at the root of that is trust. Like, yeah, sure, that too. Absolutely, absolutely. Trust is it. Well, Mr. Schultz, I, I, I could talk to you for as long as you let me, um, but this is just really helpful to understand how the concept of, for excellence, when you talk about the combination of high intent and hard work uh, and incorporating that into three key areas of, of, a, um, of orientation, continuous improvement, and then the customer experience. Uh, and then on the customer experience side, to your point, like if you create those raving fans that are loyal, the lifetime value of that individual or company is extraordinary. Not to correct you, the, the employee, the piece of the employee is the selection, the orientation, and the and the work environment that they have. For the for the customers, you want them, you want that employee. You see, let me put it this way. Over here are a lot of people. This is your potential market. Mm -hmm. Here here are people too. Those are your employees. And if you create company, you understand what the market expects from your product. And you make sure that the employees understand it too. That's alignment. Yeah. That's the first step of alignment. Now, management creates processes, systems, measurement controls to make sure it is delivered. You know, leadership creates an environment where they want to do that. Where they want to do that. And, and the one thing that your customer wants, no matter what you sell, you may be... You may have a hardware store. You, you think the customers are loyal to your store because of your product. You can buy the same screw somewhere else, okay? Yeah. They're, only going to, they're only going to be loyal to you because of relationship. That, because that, that is it. And that, for that, you need to have employees that want to the care again. And employees understand what it means to serve a guest. You see, serving a guest Serving a service is one of those things everybody talks about today. It's relationship. Service is relationship. Service starts to instantly make contact with a nice greeting, welcome. Showing them with your eyes that you care, that you respect them. Giving the customer respect, not hey, hi. What, 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 what I'm saying when I'm, when I'm high, I'm saying we're equal. Yeah. I'm not saying you, I respect you. But if, I'm, if you walk in and I said, Welcome. Good morning. How are you today, sir? By the way, I'm here to help you. What am I saying then? I'm saying I respect you. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm saying I'm professional. You can trust me. So this has to be worked, this relationship with the customer. Now I'm here. Now I'm starting service. I'm starting service the instant I make contact. Not a half a second later after I say hey or nothing. That instant, I start serving you. And then I continue. The next instant, I start continuing by helping you to make the very best decision about my product. 
It's about you. It's not about me. It's not about me. I'm here now for you in service. And finally, I said farewell. Thank you for allowing me to serve you. I was delighted to serve you. Bang. Now I'm starting to make sure that you trust me. And consequently, when you need something similar to this product, you come back to me because you know I'm here to help you. I'm yeah. here for you. And it doesn't matter if you have a shoe store or a hotel or, or, or whatever. It doesn't matter. It reminds me of, of your line talking about we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Um, and it gets that whole point. Like there's this whole, like a the theme to me on that is dignity. And we treat yeah, our well, people with yeah, dignity. Well, I'm, I want to make it very clear. We are not servants. I'm, 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 we are not servants in the business. Well, I, uh, if we do things right, we define ourselves, and by doing things right in service, we define ourselves as, as ladies or gentlemen, mm -hmm. by doing things right. That's why we are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. We're not servants that, that, that just deliver something. No. We are professional how we deliver it to you, and we are ladies and gentlemen about it. And we respect you as ladies and gentlemen. That uh, last topic on respect, that's a, that's a bonus for everybody listening. So thank you, Mr. Schultze, for going into that. Um, so I, I know I've learned uh, an immense amount. I could listen to this all day long. Um, if our audience wanted to engage with you uh, or learn more about you, um, what, are, what are some practical next steps that our audience can take? Well, one step you can do, buy the book and read and you will be a better person. Uh, and in the book, it will say also how you can uh, contact me, but and also you can go into internet, hostschulze.com and go internet and see how you how to follow it and so on. I'm, I'm as you know, I'm in, engaged with many companies. I consult them. I have until now, I have not, even I could do that every day and not taking any consulting or advice job for hotels, only for other companies. And that's where I've learned over the last few years doing that it's all the same. It's doing your very best in your product, but most of all, understanding its relationship and, and it's a human, the, all the human elements bring, bring it into the business. Functioning, meaning for product. Relationship, meaning caring for you. And of course, honor and integrity. And if you look at that as yourself, that is what you're made of. And we talked about continuous improvement before and say to ours and continuously improve those part of our being. Question yourself, how could I function better? Question yourself, how could I improve my relationships? Walk by somebody and say hello. And a second later say, how could I said, have said hello better? Work on your relationship and work on your, and the question yourself, where can I improve my, or should, is there a way to improve my, interactive in my values. That's what it takes. And you will find excellence in who you are and escape mediocrity. Mediocrity, people, I, the reason I mentioned a few times, I, I think not long ago, I talked to a group of people who said, well, we are, we are good average. <laughs> good average. Average is the bottom of good and the top of bad. Average is nothing. <laughs> And the average is a sentence of morass mediocrity. So to shoot for more, you have to continuously improve.
and accept that in yourself too. First set a goal and continue to improve your relationship, your functioning, and everything. And, 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 and it's impossible to fail for a company or for an individual. Impossible. Yeah. Well, Mr. Schulte, I, I really appreciate uh, your insights, your example, your leadership. Thank um, you. I can vouch for the book. It is a fantastic read. You will be better, as he mentioned. Uh, we have already implemented a lot of those principles into our organization, and we've seen the benefit of it. So yeah. it's, thank you for making time. It's greatly successful. I'm, I'm, in fact, I, I just had a CEO call me off a very scientific company, a company that makes parts for nuclear reactors. The CEO happens to read a book and he called me, he bought 5,000 books wow. to give to his employees. You know, in this I, I try to read, write it in a way where I tell stories and not a boring business book. Because usually when I write a business, read a business book, I put it away after about 40 pages because I get bored. I try to avoid that. And I think I can really serve some people with it. Well, I can attest you do. Um, so thank, thank you again. We appreciate the time. Uh, thanks thank for you. sharing. We'll talk soon. God bless. Nice to be with you. Likewise. I'll see you. Bye.